are grey and dreary And the nights are drawing in There's a place that's gay and cheery Where they'll take you for a spin So come on, forget your trouble Keep your eyes on the skies above You can always have it Welcome to the Female Pilot Club podcast. If you don't know us, we're a plucky band of lumpy jumpers helping female written sitcom scripts take off and fly against the almost insurmountable odds presented by the TV commissioning system. And if you do know us, we're like a Greek chorus for female comedy. We don't predict the future, but we do sing on the way home after gigs whilst eating kebabs. What a great intro. <laughs> Thank you. Oh. I'm Wing Commander Kay Stonham, and co-piloting today is actor and proud mum, Emily Chase. So, is the scaly brat talking yet, Emily? Quack, quack. Don't answer, Emily, for goodness sake. Unless you can do a tight five at a top flight comedy club, nobody listening to this podcast is interested. Trust me. Except perhaps our guest today. In the passenger seat, we have actor, writer, and likewise proud mum, Kerry Howard. Welcome, Kerry. Hello. Hello. So nice to be here. Thank you. Nice to have you. Ship, 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 so for Series 2 of the Female Pilot Club podcast, we have a sponsor. It's Blue Cat Screenplay Competition, who for over 25 years have been discovering and developing storytellers with their annual screenplay competition. It was founded by a writer who has a passion for discovering new talent. Just like us at Female Pilot Club. Indeed. Now, Blue Cat has always hosted a blind competition. So everyone's in blindfolds. No, that would be ridiculous, Emily. What it means is that no demographic data is shared, which ensures that winners are chosen based solely on their scripts and nothing else. Okay, that seems fair. So what kind of scripts do they want? Well, they want feature films, they want TV pilots, and they want shorts. And the great thing is that readers ensure each submission receives constructive feedback. So you definitely know that your script's been read and you can improve your script after the competition. So what do you get if you win it? Well, you get cash, first and foremost, but also winners and finalists have been signed by talent agencies like UTA, CAA and WME. And they sold their work to major studios. So if you're keen to hear more, head to bluecatscreenplay.com to learn about their upcoming competition. Shoop, shoop, Kerry Howard is one of TV's best-known comic actresses. She was nominated for Best Female Performance in a Comedy Programme for Him and Her, played the lead in three series of Witless, and the title role of Hyacinth Bouquet in The Young Hyacinth on BBC One. She's a regular on panel shows like Would I Lie to You, 8 Out of 10 Cats, and is currently appearing at the National Theatre in Jack Absolute Flies Again, and on top of all that is writing and developing two sitcoms of her own. Woo. Wow, I'm busy, aren't I? Aren't wow. you just? It's so much amazing stuff. It's tiring just to listen to, Kerry. It is exhausting. It is. So why don't you just sit down, take the weight off your pins, pull up a sandbag and prepare to spill the puck again. Chin, chin, pip, pip, last with a beer call is an oggy. Clink, clink. Don't ask. <laughs> now, it's delightful. It's yeah. delightful. <laughs> now, we obviously had you performing in Tudor Roses at Pilot Club by Lorna mm. Wolfson and also earlier this year in Damsels by Amy Zander and Prunella by Sam. Leiden and Teresa Burns mm. what made you decide to go for the female pilot club experience well I read the scripts and they were amazing and you guys are so beautiful and inclusive that it was just like of course I, I would do it. I think um Tracy Ann Oberman did it the first one she did yeah and um spoke very highly of the experience I just thought well why wouldn't I why wouldn't I Oh, that's so nice. That's nice Tracy as well. Yeah, she's great. And she writes as well. And I've been in development for over 10 years now. 
uh, trying to get only this. 10 years okay. <laughs> only, <Yeah>. only. <laughs> um trying to get people to read my scripts and it's only now that like I can write something and I could get maybe five production companies interested in it but before then it was like sitting on the desk collecting dust yeah so I know how hard it is yeah and and that was like and I'd already you know I'd got booked tv I knew people these people haven't even got that they're just writers at home with a dream and loads of material but they have no in yeah and if you don't have an in I had the in with my comedy mm. and acting. That was my way into writing. But a lot of people, if they don't have that, the door is very much shut. Mm. And this group, you facilitate that. And it's an open house um, system, isn't it? Like people can just send in. Yeah, absolutely. Anyone can, yeah. It's yeah. wonderful. Anyone can send, can send in. We don't yeah. charge. And you always get your script read. And uh, yeah, it's really interesting to hear that People always say, you know, it's who you know and you've got to have the contacts. But even for you, who, as you say, had contacts, it was still hard. Still, it's still really, yeah. really difficult. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and do you think that is partly down to the fact that you are a lumpy jumper? Probably. I am a lumpy jumper. You are a lumpy jumper. Well, well, we lumps. all are. <laughs> we all are lumpy jumpers. And, you know, much as we hope that it's not the case, then mm. uh, it does seem that it's a little bit harder for us. Yeah. Lumps. And mm. I, th- I also think it's confidence. Um, so 10 years ago, I was quite apologetic about being a writer. I, I still I still struggle with calling myself a writer because mm. I haven't had enough published. I feel like if I've got a body of work behind me, then I'm like, oh, I'm a writer. And I don't write every day. So it's like, it's something that it, it's almost, it's in my yearly um, life, like sporadically, I will have moments of, well, I'll write quite a lot for a thing. And then I'll have months off where I won't write because you know, I'm a mum, I've got an acting gig, it just isn't the time. Mm. So I still struggle with going, I'm a writer. Mm. Um, But yeah, it's, I think the culture of being a woman, I don't want to stereotype, but for me, it's like, it's a privilege, it's a huge privilege to be in the room, um, talking to an exec or a producer. And I just cower a little bit. I was never bullshit of like, yeah, I've got a great idea. I'm going to make new loads of money. Mm. Um, and I think they sense that and they yeah. just think, oh, she's yeah. not quite ready. Yeah, it's like if yeah, you, they if can you smell go, it. It's yeah. like when you go into an audition and you're apologetic. Yeah. They always mm. say that. Um, you're not going to get the job. always say, if you're apologetic, yeah, w- that's going to really make you unattractive mm. to yeah. the director, etc. Yeah. Mm. So now I'm like, hire yourself, don't fire yourself. <laughs> like, that's my brain. <laughs> yes. I like it. Because well, every, actor, that, every actor, before they do an audition, mm. they are so, they rip into themselves. I'm not going to get this part. I'm not this, this and yeah. that. And yeah. I'm like, stop it. Stop it. Because that's not going to help you. You're not going to have a good audition. You're not going to have a great experience. You're actually self-hating. So just yeah. you need to kind of like back yourself and be on your own team. Yeah. I mean, to be American for a bit, you've got just to believe in yourself. Absolutely. You? you really absolutely. have. When you got Jack Absolute Flies again at the National, did you just be, were you American in your audition? What? Do you know, it was so weird because I never auditioned for theatre ever. Mm-hmm. But uh, four and a half years ago, I ran away from London to go to Bath with my two children. And I remember thinking, when I go back to London, which I don't know when that will be, but it'll be because I'll be at the fucking National. I was so angry. Um, And I just thought, that's the only way I will do theatre because they have a rep system and I can, you know, do four shows a week and still look after my kids. And that was like the manifestation that I put in my brain. That's amazing. 
You put it out there and it came I put back. put it out there. Mm. And I also said, and I'll be on a fucking bus. But um, I, I also had this like, it's outrageous arrogance of like, I'm going to be in the national and I'm going to be on a bus. And, and I thought I'll be on the bus because I've written a sitcom. All these things that I put in my head. I had an eight month year old baby and um, was he only just turned four. Kind of ridiculous that I had these things that weren't in my realm at all. Sitcom idea, absolutely, because I've been developing. Mm. So that was something that was in, within reach. Yeah. And then just before Christmas this, this year, I, I had this audition for the National and I'd forgot that I, I remember sort of like going around to my friends and going, I'm going to be in the National, <laughs> like properly, like, yeah, that's what's going to happen. And I was like, mm, yeah, you know. Uh, and, and then I walked into that audition knowing that I would get the job because I asked for it. Amazing. Wow. Amazing. So you really went in like yeah. front footed. Mm. Front footed. Mm. And then I kind of read the part and I thought, this is because I did a sketch years ago called Rude Sandra. This character is this character. She's bullshy. She's cockney. Mm. This is what they want. Mm. And I could tell they were a fan of mm. that character. And I thought, yeah. I've got the job. Brilliant. Well, you're talking about Jack Absolute Flies again yeah. at the National. We're going to ask you to do something which we always do on the Female Pilot Club podcast. You're going to love it. Uh, I mean, we sadly haven't seen the show. We're very excited about seeing it. We're going to see it. Um, but we do know all about it because yeah. we've done the research. But um, the people listening at home, the Lumpy Jumpers and Bashers, know nothing about this show. Yeah. Uh, now, I know you didn't write the play. That was the lovely Richard Bean. With and a, Ollie Chris. And Ollie Chris, yeah. with a bit of help from a bloke called Sheridan, I understand. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, but neither of them are available, sadly. So can you give us a parachute pitch to tell us what it's all about? Okay. Yeah, okay. So the scenario is the plane's on fire. There's only one parachute which you are wearing. But as you jump out of the plane, the commissioner of HBO grabs onto your legs. So obviously you take the opportunity to sell him, her, they on the idea of making a TV version of the show before you hit the ground. Are you ready, Kerry? Yes. Pitch. Oh, God. Right. <laughs> so uh, Jack Absolute Flies Again is a rewrite of The Rivals, Um Basically, it's a, a rom-com, essentially, set in World War II. Jack Absolute is in love with um, Lydia Languish, who is a trailblazer. She's like Amelia Earhart. She's looked to be a pilot and she doesn't want to be married off to Jack Absolute, who's just rich and entitled, as she is rich and entitled. So she decides to fall in love with Dudley Scunthorpe, the fitter, who's played by Kelvin Fletcher, who's really, really fit and gorgeous. Always, <laughs> always cast gorgeous men, but also lovely human. Um uh, um, but he, Dudley is in love with Lucy, the maid, my character. You. So, yes. And I'm kind of like the narrator who talks to the audience and guides them through and just says, basically, anybody who gives me a letter, I'm going to give it to the wrong person because I'm a twat. And, and then we have the lovely Mrs. Malaprop, who has Malaprop-isms and every word she says is wrong. So if she wants to say uni uniform, she would say unicorn. It's delightful. We love, <laughs> love word day. And, and Sir Anthony Absolute is um, Jack's dad and he's just trying to marry him off to Lydia. And they, Jack basically pretends to be Dudley. It's a lot of... Um, body swapping comedy of errors it's kind of like there's all very similar stuff much ado about nothing you know those kind of like i'll pretend to be this person you'll fall in love with this person and actually aha uh -huh, it's me and they're really in love and you hit the ground yeah. <laughs> wow that I, was i think i did it yeah you, you've landed <laughs> Right. It's a love story. Yeah. The HBO guy is like, I mean, he's just, he's over the moon. He yeah. can't wait to commission it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, we'd, we'd love to commission it, wouldn't we? But obviously the National already did. Mm. Um, now, 
we love you as a TV performer. Oh. Um, but we're wondering, has this now given you more of a taste for theatrical work? Do you think you'll now go on to do more of that kind of thing? Do you know what? I've really loved um, having the privilege to be on stage, actually. Because it, it, I, I did Edinburgh years ago, like 15 years ago, and to a small, smaller audience of 50. And w- one time to nine, because I was doing a, a show in a toilet. So we did sell out because there was only nine seats. So we had a great year. <laughs> um, but that was like, that was 18 years ago. Um, so it's lovely to be in front of an audience and say a line and know that they're going to respond and have that kind of like relationship with them. It's, it's giddy. It's lovely. You don't necessarily have that in TV. What you have in TV is like someone described theatre is like, it's a one night stand. It's immediate. You get the orgasm and you run off. Or sometimes you don't. <laughs> sometimes it's empty. Mm. But there's a, an immediate response to what you're doing. And TV is like being in a long-term relationship. Mm-hmm. You, 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 you do the show and it's not until months of like editing, a voiceover. So you actually, like a year later, you might see the product. You don't so get the butterflies. You don't get the butterflies. It's just slowly, slowly relent. And you like slowly get a bit bored sometimes because you're like, well, when is it coming out? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a marriage and you've got to work hard at it. Just to ask, you put it out there that you wanted to be at the National. Yeah. Right. And now you are. Yeah. And has it lived up to your expectations? Because I was at the National some yes. years ago, many yes. years ago. And I've got to say it was a mixed experience yeah. for me. How has it been for you? Is it, it's the dream for a lot of actors, isn't it? Yeah. Has it turned into that dream for you? What do you think? What's really bizarre, because everyone's like, oh my God, you're going to be on the Olivier. This is the biggest stage in the world, the Olivier. And I was like, yeah, I do have that reference towards it. And I was like, yeah, this is amazing. My first professional gig. Nightmare, um, nightmare stage to perform on, yeah, I had to say. I but, was we- like- but weirdly, when I walked out on the stage for like voice warm up for the first time, because the audience are kind of like, it's almost like a round. Mm. It felt like a hug. So I instantly walked on stage and was like, oh, this is kind I felt like the space was kind. I think it's because my character talks to the audience. And I just knew that I knew how to share myself and still be in the scene with people. So it was, I felt home. I felt like I was at home. Well, that's the good news, isn't it? I mean, that's a great experience. We found it quite difficult with the Olivia because it's it's such a wide space. It is. Actors, it's a wide space. We always felt like you know, one that's if you're talking to that side of the audience, the other side of the audience is feeling left yeah, out. You've I mean, got, you've to, got really, to really, really work that space, yeah. haven't you? It's challenging, it is. But I think a farce and a big comedy, you yeah. can get away with that, definitely. Mm. Uh, I think doing a drama in that space and trying to be with the other actor is possibly difficult mm. because mm. you can't share as much, but comedy is. It's, this is balls out comedy. It's relentless. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I want to say posh panto, but I shouldn't really, but it is a posh panto. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of fun. And with that, you can be big and you can be bold and you can be generous with the audience. Yeah. So it's quite fun. So it has lived up to your expectations. It's as great as you yes. thought it would be. Yeah. It's brilliant. But the only thing is, it's, uh, it wasn't, I thought it was going to be four shows a week. And now, now because of the pandemic, they can't do that anymore. So it is a West End show. It's eight shows a week. Oh, my God. So when I got the job and then suddenly said, oh, it's eight shows, I was like, looked at my mum going, oh, what am I going to do? She's like, it's okay. I'll help. You'll be fine. You can do this. So I spent most of Amazing. the job commuting back and forth to Bath so mm. I could have breakfast with the boys in the morning. It was so important to me to see my children. Mm-hmm. Um, so that has been really hard. And now I would say 
I'd wait a few more years until I did a theatre gig again because Mm. it's too much. It's a a big, it's been 12 weeks Mm. in total of not really being at home as much. Um, TV's a lot shorter. And also you can do a day here and then be at home for a week. Delightful. And writing, you can write from home. So I I like being, I like being a mum and I like being there. And um, theatre is quite, you're (sighs) vampire yeah, it takes all your attention yeah. and yeah. the life, your life is at the theatre, isn't it? And you I know? thought, I naively thought, I can write in the day. Once the show's up, I can write in the day. Nah. I, no. <laughs> no. I, I can't. My brain is not there. Was that something that you thought about when you got this job in terms of your writing and when you had your kids, actually? Did you think you'd end up writing more than acting when um, you'd have the kids? Did you think, oh, maybe it will be easier once they've gone to nursery and stuff? Yeah. Definitely, like having kids really galvanized me and made me have more of an industry about myself. Before then, I'd be like, oh, well, who am I doing this for? No one really cares. And then you have children, you're like, I need to earn money. I need to earn money. And I, the doors are open. And why not? I've got an opportunity here to earn money and create something. I've got to go for it, as well as just acting. It'd be unfair of me to reject the open hands that everyone going yes and to me mm-hmm. so I had to sort of get over my fear of like oh I'm not a writer I had to just suck it I'm going no they want you they think you're good so just keep doing it and the more the more you do it the better you get and I always sort of said my fifth idea will be the one that will go and ironically my fifth idea is the one that's gone which is so and this was 10 years ago. You just keep getting it right. I keep get, but it's like, it's, just, you know, life. You look around and you go, oh, I've got, I've got a body of work. I don't think it's one job that changes you. Mm. I, don't think, I don't think you have a breakthrough job that you go, oh, suddenly that was my moment. It's a collection. It's a decades of work that you turn around and you go, oh, I've been in the industry now, I think professionally for 13 years and I'm still here. Mm. I'm an actor. I'm a writer. That's it. I think that's really useful information to yeah. give to people because I think that a lot of people, when they talk about their careers, they make it sound as though they took one amazing decision, they got given one amazing opportunity, and then it all just fell into place. And I think it's rarely true. I think it's something which people like to tell as a, as yeah. a narrative because yeah. it sounds It's romantic. Good. It's, it's glamorous. Romantic. But exactly. it's not true. No, I think your narrative is much more realistic. Yeah. You've kept plugging away and you've had yeah. doubts and you've had things that didn't go, yeah. um, but persistence, uh, you know can get you there in the end yeah. which is brilliant yeah because I think if you have one job as well and people say all of a sudden to an actor or a writer oh you've made it now you've yeah. made it you're not going to have the confidence in yourself that that's it are no. you it's not possible from one job that yeah, you'll never then no, doubt yourself to, again I mean, when I was think. doing him and her arguably that was like my biggest moment I was so broke I was so broke and I would film uh six weeks and then most of the year I was out of work maybe do a pilot here and there but that's when I was writing I had no money and I, you know, my life hadn't changed and it was a, a, next year we do series two. Great. Still my life hadn't changed. Mm. So it was the writing that kept me on, on the ladder, to be honest, not my acting. Bizarrely. Mm. I think people do think sometimes that once you're on the telly, then you're living in a great big mansion with a swimming pool in yeah. the country and your life is wonderful from that moment on. No. But that's not true. It's not true. I don't think. Have you got a mansion with a swimming pool? In, in the, maybe you have. I, mean, I don't know. I, I live with my parents and we live in a lovely home now. <laughs> that's, be, that's because of the pandemic. We decided to like be a bubble. Be a bubble. And actually it's brilliant because I've got childcare on tap and the yeah, that's amazing. opposite the house and... I don't have a swimming pool, but every job I take, I look at my boy and I go, this one, this could be the job where I can buy us a swimming pool. <laughs> so, so Wes is like, all right, you can do this job. 
Sounds like you've aced it to me. Shoop, shoop, so Write a Duet is our sponsor for this episode. Love the name, but what the hell is it? Okay, Write a Duet is an extremely convenient cloud-based screenwriting software. Now, I always get confused by that term, cloud-based. It just means you can write anytime, anywhere from a computer or mobile device. Write a Duet literally could not be easier to use, and I am talking as someone who is new to writing software. Yeah, you're pretty clueless. Pretty much. It automatically formats to the industry standard, making it so easy to use whether you've never written a screenplay before or you're used to another software. What if you want to write with others, like we used to do? Okay, Writer Duet allows you to collaborate seamlessly. You can see everyone's changes instantly and leave text and video chat with one another in-app, keeping all of your team's communication in one central location. Brilliant, I'm sold. Our listeners of the Female Pilot Club podcast can sign up for a free account or start a 30-day free trial of a paid subscription by visiting writerduet.com forward slash pilot. What did I say, Kay? They go to writerduet.com forward slash pilot. Exactly. So get up in those clouds and start writing, pilots. Oh dear. You know what she means, guys. Shoop, shoop, so going back to being a writer, I mean, a lot of actors do become writers, don't they? Mm. Do you think there's something that you can bring special to the job of writing as an actor? Why do you think that a lot of actors are good at it? Because they, they are, aren't they? Yeah, I think we're good at dialogue um, because... We know how people talk. We listen a lot. Um, I think writers get a bit too cerebral um, and they want to show off their intellect. And I think actors just want to play a scene. And and actually, like, silence is really powerful. Um, but I think they get frustrated by the lack of interesting parts for women, specifically. Mm. Um, like, both sides now, what I'm developing with uh, Russell Tovey, our female characters are so interesting and we've got an older character in it. And all the actresses who auditioned for this role were just so grateful to have a go at an, an older woman that was so dark and so different and well-written, not just the mum, mm, you know? Mm. Yeah, the very nice, very long-suffering, yeah. very reflective mum. I hate those parts. Yeah. Oh, the descriptions like of the mum parts that you can get. A little bit frumpy, unforgettable. Yeah. And you just think, yeah. well, I don't want to play that. I don't no. want to play 20 years of, like, I'm now 40. And I'm like, right, now I'm technically a mum on TV. But even then, they're still like, not yet, not yet. But I, I'm going to probably have 20 years of being that mum yeah. for, like, however long. Because they don't let you age. Weirdly, they kind of put you in a bracket and just go, you're just that for the now. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it, I think it's, it was, it's, you just get frustrated like, yeah, I don't, I, I'm never I mean I only played a girlfriend one time and that was in a in a pilot and I thought give it a go you'll have great hair <laughs> I just wanted to look pretty for one in time and I did it and I my oh I was so bored because I was just feeding lines to the guys and it's the dullest thing and I just thought no I'm a character actress I like to do weird things and I was getting stuck in people just going we want you to do Laura again and again I was like no because I remember uh, talking to the boys who wrote Witless. And I was like, it's got to be the opposite of Laura. She's got to be lovable. She's got to be more like me, a bit bouncy, delightfully thick, because I love playing idiots, because it's fun. And and that came out of like frustration of like, I don't want to do the same thing over mm. and over again. I could be anything. Mm. I think that kind of stereotyping of women has come out of that tradition of most writers, most comedy writers being male, hasn't it? Mm. And so they've gone down those yeah. same routes. The lovely girlfriend the bitchy girlfriend. Mm. I used to play a lot the kind of the bitter ex-wife. 
Well, it's their fantasy, yeah, isn't it? It's, it's their male fantasy, absolutely. their misogynistic gaze of what women are to them. Yeah. You're either a bitch or you're fuckable. And there's nothing in between. No. Really. Fuckable bitch. Old. You should be a fuckable bitch. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. There's yeah. three. <laughs> the big three. Or, or frumpy. They all want to fuck you. Like, yeah, of course. This is but, true. Uh, yeah. So I think that's why it's so brilliant that, you know, a lot of women, more women are writing now. Yeah. And, but it's coming know, out of through. a need. It's not coming out of like, oh, I really want to. It's like, I need to do this. Yeah, I, I, I went through a stage of watching loads of Scandinavian dramas. Oh, great. Because I always think the female roles in those are amazing. Yeah. They mm, always have so many strong women and the writing just makes it seem very equal mm. between mm. the men and the women. And there doesn't seem to be, I don't know, I just don't think we have, we've, we've ever had it like that. No. I was speaking to my friend about it who is Swedish and she was saying, she was like, it's just very reflective of our society. She said, men and women are 100% equal and they always have been. Yeah. And I think you can really see that in the yeah. drama. Yeah. But also in the American comedies, you know, I think women get a better shout, really, than in the British comedies, if you think about it. A lot more women writers yeah. Yeah. in America. Yeah, yeah. A lot there's more a lot sp- of female-led yeah. comedy, actually. Yeah, Definitely. you're right. Yeah. I think, you know, we just, over here, we're just stuck in a bit of a rut, aren't we? We're mm. maybe coming out of it now, but for the last, I mean, throughout my career, it's been a bit of a, a male-centered rut really, mm. for female comedy uh, for male comedy writing so when, when you started writing did you what were you writing on your own and now you mentioned that you're writing in a in a pair yeah how did that come about I've always collected people um because I've always been a bit sort of like nervous like if I write a page I'll send it to someone straight away I'm like what do you think is it funny it's funny isn't it <laughs> you know, like I need that validation so I found myself always wanting to collaborate because as an actor I always want to collaborate and I did stand up for about like mm, five times I did it. Did you enjoy it? I had a type five and I made people laugh, but it was really lonely. It was so lonely. And I suddenly started to sort of like walk around a day of the gig and all I could think about was my material or anyone having a chat to me. I was like, that could be a gag. I found myself very quickly becoming a sort of how stand-ups think all the time where they're relentless. They can't just be. I found it very um, just insular. And I like sharing. And I was just like, no, sketch comedy is my thing. Mm. Um, Stand up is like my brother does it and he's nailed it. It's lonely. And I'm like, no, I don't like being lonely. Mm. So and and so I don't really like writing on my own, really. I had those ideas and I've got like a load like film ideas where they're just mine and they're not getting written because I don't have someone to bounce against. Mm. Um, I hope one day I will have more confidence in myself to go, do you know what? I want you to write this just for you. Just do it. I like being collaborative and creative. I feel like I'm a better artist when I'm around other people. I think also if you write with someone you know, you're not yeah. scared to say, is this shit? Yeah, yeah. What do you and think? And Russell is delightful. Like I've, I've had lots of different writing partners and I think that's important actually mm. to not just be like, we'll only work with one person. And also like I'm writing with Russell on this gig right now, but that doesn't mean that me and Russell are going to be writing partners forever. No, He can go wherever he wants. And so can I, I quite like that sort of like uh, polyamorous uh, relationship I have as a writer. And I think it's good because I think sometimes when you get writing partnerships, uh, they, that's it. That's your career. I think it's quite toxic. Yeah, actually. And I don't know any writing partners that are like, oh, have you been good the whole time? Has it been Okay. It's obviously, it's a relationship, isn't it? Yeah, I think I can think of some female writing partnerships who are really good friends and have managed to keep it together on yeah. both levels. But I think a lot of the male partnerships I know, there's a lot of angst 
going on between them and they don't you know they're no longer friends since they yeah. became yeah. writing partners which is a shame really yeah. isn't it so that's every time I go into a partnership I'm like I need to be your friend and when I sense that this is not going to happen I won't work with that person again and I'll try and keep it friend you know sort yeah. of slowly fade them out and go this isn't you know yeah you're not allowing me to be me yeah you know when someone get, get like over intellectualizes me and then sort of tells me the rules and the format of writing I'm like bye well that's interesting because that's one of our questions actually about yeah. training mm. so did you do any training did you feel the need for any training or did you just think I've done lots of I've read lots of scripts yeah I've been in lots of yeah. stuff I know what to do how did you approach it so I did um writing studies at university just a minor little course um I always wrote in my journal when I was a teenager like sad poems about boys that didn't like me um <laughs> you know classic cliche but also funny poems as well um and then I did writing studies as a minor course at uni and we had a script writing a module and I did that and I really enjoyed it and then I just in my journal my sad journal I started writing um dialogue of scenes and it was always funny always and like I did it for like five years and it wasn't until I went to an open audition <laughs> in Stage magazine, um, be a ventriloquist in two weeks, uh, pilot for BBC Three. Um, <laughs> and I went for it. Angel Eye Productions Company was making this pilot because um, Nina Conti was pregnant and they quickly ne they needed a uh, ventriloquist to go to Glasgow and do this hidden camera show with Mark Fenton, I remember. That's a tough gig to be a, a sudden, you know, immediate Ins ventriloquist. Insane. Yeah. So I went there. Ken Campbell was there, of course, and teaching us how to do it. And I've got an overbite. So you can actually, you can do quite a lot when you've got teeth like this and you can move your tongue and actually do it. I got the audition and I met this lovely girl who was working for the production company, Susan Turnbull. And, and she t told me about the sketch comedy uh, world and she just introduced me to everything. And then, and then I sort of sent her a sketch and she said, write more, keep writing. And then I would just send her five sketches a day. And she got me into that, like, you, you're funny. You're a good writer. I didn't read books. I, every time I'd buy myself a screenwriting book, I start reading it. And then I start high ventilating because, <laughs> I, because it just, it, it, it was so formulaic and it wasn't me. It wasn't my voice. Um, and I just think the only way to do it is your way. And reading script, you'll learn more from reading scripts mm. than reading a book about how to write mm. and writing. Yeah, because I think if you start thinking there's rules that you have to follow, it's so limited. Yeah. I think that's one of the reasons, actually, why actors do make... Especially comedy. Read a lot. You have to read a lot of yeah. scripts, don't you? Yeah. Because, you know, you're getting sent them or you want to do audition speeches mm. or you just read a lot of scripts. Yeah. And I think that's where you get, you kind of get some of the rules in your head, but you make them your own. A hundred percent. Without thinking about it, without conceptualizing mm. it. And you and know how important like a formula. feeling is as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. And you understand a button. You know, it's like that's just through um, years of doing comedy of going, I need, this scene needs a button. What's that? like the, the big gag out that's something you just learn along the way mm. and also you, when I mean weirdly when I was writing with Russell and then we filmed the pilot it's interesting how I disconnected from the words and then became actor mode and it and, and Russell was amazing because he could just channel both brains whilst for me I was like no I'm one acting. or the other one or the other mm. I can't I like to just be free as an actor not try and do everything it was that was an interesting insight. And I, maybe I'll, I'll learn to be better at that. 
but yeah it was a lot to kind mm. of so we, we were going to ask if you had found the industry a friendly and open place coming at it as a female writer but from what you just said about the experience sending your sketches right back at the beginning mm. you probably did then didn't you yeah I did I mean because Susan was like she was like the office manager of this production company so she wasn't necessarily getting but she was slowly like feeding it out to other people and then I did Reggie Perrin um, with Objective and Jim Howick was so lovely he was like they're doing a, a sketch um, group um pilot show for Channel 4 you should definitely and he just kept bigging me up to Ben Farrell and then eventually Ben brought me in and Josie Long was there Sarah Pascoe was there Nat Lertzman was there like all like well established but at the beginning of their career yeah. but like they were comedians and we all were in a room we all had to quickly write sketches and it was so exciting and I got to be in that group and then suddenly we're in a big writing table and I'm writing loads loads Maybe it's not highbrow stuff, but I managed to get more of my sketches in the show than everyone else. That's and a that massive was, confidence that, boost. That was, that was a big confidence boost. We didn't get a series, but it, it, it then led to me getting my own pilot, the Kerry like, um, pilot show, which again, didn't get a series. But it, Ben Farrell wouldn't let go of me and he hasn't let go of me. And every year we've got something in development. So when you have a champion like that... yeah. You know, um, one of our questions is, have you got a mentor or has anyone mentored you or championed you? And it sounds like, yeah, there's the person right there. Yeah, yeah Ben Farrell, mm. um, Susan Turnbull, definitely. Yeah. yeah. And my agent, um, Debbie Allen, is, is amazing mm. because she's not in a rush. Mm. She knows I've got a career for life and she knows I'll have a bad year and that's fine. Um, but she's she's confident in me. Mm. And when someone's confident in your talent, you kind of there is no rush because mm. we don't retire from this job. You retire. You can't retire. You can't, can't afford to retire. <laughs> can't afford to retire. Um, but in, you give up on yourself when you've, yeah. you've had enough. Yeah. And, I, and I haven't had enough yet. <laughs> I feel like I'm only just beginning. Like I'm having a lovely... I think about turning 40. I don't know about you, but it's like it was a renaissance. It feels like a renaissance for me, a rebirth of like, I get to go again. And this time I've got my kids and my, my home life is done. And now I'm focused. They're all in school now. And I can climb back up again. And it's exciting. Mm, I think as a woman in this industry, I think Abby always says this, doesn't she, Emily? You know, you you do keep reinventing yourself. Yeah. And there's good things about that. But also it's partly because you hit barriers and you hit blocks. Yeah. And you're being really, really positive saying that you had a really great experience because you have found it friendly as a female performer and writer. But then you did just describe how both of those really great sounding projects didn't go. Yeah. Which seems like a real shame. And so, again, you, you were really positive. You hit a block, but you then went on mm. and found another way. Yeah. And I think we do have to be like that, don't we? I mean, everyone does in comedy. It isn't just women, yeah. actually, to be fair. Everyone does. But I think maybe we've had it just that little bit yeah. harder. We have to keep thinking, okay, what next? What next? Another way. A hundred percent. Like my mindset is, it's not that they failed. It was just another rung on the ladder. And it just, you know, it just was one rung instead of five. Yeah. So it's like, it's always made me go, I'm failing upwards. I've always failed upwards. I've Good never phrase. failed down. hundred percent. Because every job you do, you learn. And I've learned loads. 
And I've learned actually when you have your own show and it's your sketch show, you don't have any friends because you're in that makeup chair all day and all the cast around you get to chat and have lunch together, but you're the one that's working mm. so hard. So I found that experience really lonely. And I was like, mm, I don't know if I could do this actually. My mental health, I feel not that I'm, I'm like, my mental health, but I just feel like I like being inclusive. I like sharing it. I, if I would, if I was to do a sketch show now, I'd have to make sure there were at least four leads because it's too much. Mm. It's funny you should say that because I found that with, I mean, as again, as actors, we're used mm. to being in a company. We're used to having that in, interaction yeah. with people, aren't we? And then as you become a writer, at first, it's great because probably you're writing gags, you're writing sketches, like you said, as part of a company. Yeah. But then the more you become successful or the more you go into narrative writing, the more you end up sitting at home looking at your computer, mm. which again, I don't like all that much. I love writing, but I don't like just being at home yeah. sitting on my computer. And I think that's because of where we came from, yeah. which is as performers. And We're tribal. We are a bit tribal. Yeah. And so it's like, it's hard to be that dedicated mm. and sit down every day on your own and get yeah. that sitcom written. Yeah. So what do you do for balance? How do you kind of balance that out? How do you, because you're writing as well, aren't you? Yeah, so. I always write in the morning if I, when I have to write and I do hour bursts, right. like really intensive hours. So with Russell, I'll send um, a scene straight away and he feedbacks straight away back to me. <laughs> I can't it's an apple. It's a mouthful. Um, um, but um, vice versa. And then I'll go for a walk with my dog brilliant mm. um and then i'll go to the gym and i because for me um exercise is actually really important i was just about to ask well, you about yeah, that because well, yeah, you touched on mental health and i was one i wanted to know how important you thought physical health was in relation to your mental health with work and stuff the two they're inseparable mm. like for me if i don't exercise i don't get those happy hormones mm -hmm. um endorphins you need you need them otherwise you, you'll look for other avenues that are probably not as healthy for you, like drink or drugs. Um, and as a mum, you can't go down that route. Um, sometimes you're I like, I need a drink. <laughs> yeah. But for me to go for a run or go on, get on my spinning bike or paddle boarding, it's active mindfulness. Because in those moments, all I'm thinking about is doing the thing. Um, so when I'm not exercising, I'm looping, I'm thinking about loads of other things. And I really struggle with yoga and meditation i've tried it and it gives me anxiety it makes me go because <laughs> i can't be still in my mind right i was going to ask you about your brilliant uh, instagram dancing yeah. videos that you do i yeah. love those they're brilliant so what made you do those and and how much what do you get from them because i always sort of dick about and did bits of dancing when i'm working out but not a lot but then when i i went into the dressing room my first ever dressing room and i just thought i've got to make a thing about this and just do a little dance and because i am so giddy about playing uh, lucy the maid i am so happy that i'm i'm doing this job and i just wanted to just showcase that of like this is, this is what it's like to be an actor in a dressing room waiting to go on you're either like in the zone or you're dancing your tits off because it's, <laughs> it's delightful. I mean, the nature of the piece is a big comedy. So yeah. a part of that, I think I'm rallying myself. Because yeah. she's like, Lucy's it wouldn't like work if you were doing Medea or no, no, no. But I probably would do a dance, actually, to be fair. <laughs> dancing Medea. Yeah, yeah she is. I think that's quite funny, actually. <laughs> but yeah, I just, I did it for like two shows. And then I thought, I'm going to do this every, every day just for fun. 
It's lovely. It's very uplifting. Yeah, I've, I've been getting lots of messages from yeah, people going, yeah. thank you for doing like you, it. You really make me smile. I was like, oh, that's... And that makes me feel good. Basically, I'm dating Instagram. Like, you put a post out and the Instagram tells you, you're really... I like you. You are like, great. babe. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice. Oh, yes, the endorphins. When they show people are addicted, we're all addicted to yeah. like, the endorphins yeah. we get from our phones, aren't we? 100%. I if I see a like or a message, I'm like... <gasps> Thanks. I'm sending you a message right now. Yeah, it's lush. It's well, I think lush. especially sometimes if you've been just sat in a room writing on your own for ages, you know, yeah, you just need some company. Yeah, and also you need to be seen. And I think mm. older women need to be seen um, and expressing ourselves. And but being like, well, someone's a male said to me the other day, he's like, "You're mental," and I'm like, "I'm not mental. I'm just loud." And I'm in your face and I, I will take the space now. And I'm not doing it to get anything. I'm just doing it to be alive in front of you. And that challenges you. So you need to call me mental. But because I'm not sexualizing you and me or whatever, I'm just being this loud older woman that I shouldn't be kind of mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, it's going to get worse, you know. As yeah, I think so. Coming no. from like... A- quite a few years older than you yeah. uh, the the pressure to be invisible invisible yeah is almost you know impossible to resist you know you, you you do find yourself thinking oh well I will just be invisible then but people just want to treat you in a certain way they which do. is so odd yeah I often think I often say to people why are you speaking to me like that so I a, can't hear you or b I'm like an idiot I don't mm. understand why mm. you're speaking to me like that doctors particularly do it it's very very odd really yeah it's really odd yeah I always like really react against it but then they're very affronted and mm. think you're bolshy i am bolshy i've always been bolshy i suppose i'm just getting bolshier as i get yeah, older good though but we do really live in ageist society like it's ageist sexist yeah. racist a lot really yeah. so you've talked a bit about your project that mm. you're doing with russell mm. um so can we look forward to a sitcom written by you on our tvs in the near future or at least can we get a female pilot club reading of one of your scripts oh i'd love to actually i should actually send you a script when it's just me writing it absolutely yes. that would be because i've never done that before so that would be fun yes okay okay now you've given me an incentive to actually do something <laughs> um that's what we're for yeah. so my project with russ is in um at sky at the moment um we've done a non-tx pilot and we're basically just waiting and we'll should find out maybe next week if it goes or not so that's so exciting yeah, yeah. so exciting i mean i'm really proud of it i'm really proud of the the product and the actors that we got were so phenomenal i mean that's what's really joyful is we wrote a thing and then the caliber of actors that want to be in our thing and then they're on set going the writing is so great honestly like it was the best week of my life i was like i mean that's incredible is so amazingly affirmative isn't it yeah so when you see an actor be all like shiny and beautiful on screen and they've taken your words and they've just elevated it, you, you have, again, another level of respect for performers and also for producers, yeah, directors. I, as a writer, I suddenly saw, I knew the cogs before, but you really live the cogs and you see how much hours production put in. Like actors just turn up, we do our lines and then we go off. Yeah, yeah, everything's working. On a writer's side, you you know, like the editing process is 24-7 for like a week. It's re- like they don't come up for air and they want response the next day and they give you an hour and you've only got an hour to give feedback because then they're back in the editing suite. 
it's like there's so much work so for me I'm like right one one sitcom a year please (laughs) I don't think I could do it back to back otherwise I wouldn't have a life I'm all about balance yeah I'm all about balance you've got to have a healthy home life and a healthy work life earlier in this episode we mentioned our episode sponsor writer duet and their super convenient cloud-based writing software in addition to easy formatting and collaboration, Writer Duet also has a new free app called Readthrough. Now, you don't need to be a Writer Duet user to use Readthrough. While it does integrate really smoothly for Writer Duet users, you can upload any PDF, Microsoft Word document, final draft file, etc., any file of your work so that you can share it as a read-only version with friends and professionals. Everything's an app these days. The app is where it's at, Kate especially when it comes to collaboration. Readthrough works in tandem with Writer Duet, enabling you to create a read-only link of your script to share with others so that they can read the script, listen to the read script out loud, and share feedback with you. But not take it to pieces by writing all over it. Exactly. We all love a bit of constructive criticism. Getting feedback is enormously helpful for the revision process, and Readthrough makes the process of getting feedback fast, fun, and super easy. As long as no one takes your script to pieces. Even if they do, it's probably what you needed to hear, Kay. What are you saying about my writing, Emily? Absolutely nothing. So, whether you're brand new to writing or transitioning from another software, Writer Duet is entirely free for up to three projects. Right now, our listeners of Female Pilot Club podcast can sign up for a free account or start a 30-day free trial of a paid subscription by visiting writerduet.com forward slash pilot. Once more for the people at the back, please. They go to writerduet.com forward slash pilot. Right, I'm off to try this out. Obviously now you are, of course, in the Female Pilot Club, which Ooh. is very exclusive. Yeah. yeah, we don't just let anyone in. We let everyone in. We let literally, <laughs> literally everyone in. Like, even my you have in to it. be a girl. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what other great women of comedy would you like to nominate for membership? Sarah Soleimani. Sarah Soleimani, because again, she's been one of my champions in my life. Um, she's a prolific writer, screenwriter. She's out in LA killing it. And every year... She, and when I told her I was doing this project with Russell, she was like, oh, baby, darling, I'm so proud of you. Like, she just wants me to write. She's like, are you not writing? You need to write every day. And she's, she's waiting for me to write on my own as well. Um, yeah, Brilliant choice. Yeah. Brilliant choice. And, and she is, and she's yeah, directing. She's, really good. Yeah. she's doing it all. She's, Superwoman. She's a, she's a wonderful woman. And you could have her here and she'll tell you 10 women that you need to see because she's connected. She yeah. listens. She's she's brilliant. Make that call. So, well, that means it's just about time for us to haul up our twilights, check our pink chits and grease the tarmac. We're back to take another female pilot well out of their comfort zone to talk about the long and winding road to TV winding. comedy writers. Winding, winding, okay. I know what I mean, Emily. Goodbye from Female Pilot Club. Thank, Thank you, you, Kerry. Bye. Bye. Why not follow us at Female Pilot Club on Twitter and Insta? The script was written by Kay Stonham and the show was produced by Emily Chase and Kay Stonham. It was edited and technically produced by Adam Bromley with music composed by Tim Sutton. If you enjoyed the show, please do like, subscribe, share and review. Until next time, up, up and away. Up and away.